You're listening to the Formation Church Podcast. Formation exists to be a safe place for hurting people to find healing relationship with Jesus. For more information about the ministry of Formation in Salt Lake City, Utah, visit our website at formationslc.com. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to start by talking about longings. Because in our culture, a new year has this way of bringing with it new longings inside of us. And so as we enter into a new year together, most of us long for more of some things and for less of other things. And so, for instance, maybe you're longing, as many people seem to be in our culture this time of year, for more health. So what that means is that you're trying to dial in your nutrition and exercise. Maybe you long for less stress, so you're trying to build in a little bit more margin to your life. Maybe you long for more community, so you're making time and priority for friendship and time with people. Maybe you long for less anxiety, and so you're placing limits on the time that you invest doom scrolling through social media. A new year brings with it new longings. Now, my assumption is that most of us are well aware at this point in our lives of how hard it is to actually bring these longings into fruition. Studies show that over 80% of the goals and resolutions that we set all fail by February, which is very, very discouraging. Because what happens is we, we exit one year and we are filled with hope, and then within just A couple of weeks, oftentimes, those hopes are dashed as we realize nothing magically changed when the calendar turned over. Now, there's all kinds of concrete reasons why most of these new longings fail to become reality, and you can find those with a simple Google search. But this morning, I want to submit one to you that I think is simple, oftentimes overlooked, and distinctly biblical. Ready? It's this. Sometimes our longings are unmet because they go unasked. Sometimes our longings are unmet because they go unasked. Now, here's what I mean by that. James, the half-brother of Jesus, once wrote, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So, according to James, all the good things for which we long, come to us from the very hand of God. James goes on to say, you desire, and now another way to say that would be you long for things, and you do not have, you do not have, listen to this part, because you do not ask. So James is highlighting this simple, often overlooked, and distinctly biblical truth about longings. Sometimes our longings are unmet because they go unasked. So we all have longings for this new year. We have longings individually. We probably all have longings for our familial relationships, for our friendships, and we have longings for our church community. And so just a few weeks ago, as I was praying one morning, God had me in Psalm 90, and I just had this real distinct sense that these were such timely verses for our community as we enter into this new year and seek to do the work uh, of God establishing our roots for the future. Now these verses in Psalm 90 are filled with very specific longing. And they are longings that are directed to God in prayer. 
And so we, we don't want these longings to go unmet because they, they were unasked. And so what we want to do is we want to ask God for the six things that we are going to look at in these verses together this morning. And so let me just start with a little bit of background here. Uh, if you have a Bible or an app you like to read on, again, we'll be in Psalm 90. We're going to specifically focus our attention on verses 13 to 17. Now, if you don't know, Psalm 90 is a prayer. And it, unlike many Psalms, it's not attributed to David or to Asaph. It's actually attributed to Moses. And this is a prayer that seeks a long and fulfilling life that is rooted in deep satisfaction in God. And so the opening verses of Psalm 90, if you want to read them later, you'll notice that there's a contrast that Moses is bringing about. And it's a contrast between the eternal nature of God and then the very brief existence of humanity. And then he also acknowledges that human life is short as a direct result of the pervasive sin that stains both all of our lives individually, but then also the world at large. Now, the verses that we're going to look at in 13 to 17 are marked, as I said, by six requests. And all of these requests tie back to a longing for a life, a long life that is satisfied in God's unfailing love. And so more than anything else, it is a desperate request that God would not disregard the brevity and the often challenging nature of our lives. And so let's sit with each of these just briefly. If you're worried about a six-point message, I'm going to go quick, I promise, okay? <laughs> the first request from Moses is this. It's show us your compassion. Show us your compassion. Listen to verse 13. Moses says, Lord, how long? Turn and have compassion on your servants. So notice that verse 13 starts with what one commentator calls a muted sense of hope. Moses says, Lord, how long? Now understand, that's not really an actual question as much as it's an emotional expression. Moses is weary from what has felt like an extended time of God's disregard. He felt like God just wasn't paying attention, that God wasn't working, that God was not with him. He felt disregarded. And so as a result, his hope had been muted. Now, maybe you've had the experience of sitting down to watch TV and uh, just to find out that you can't hear the volume. Now, if you're anything like me, nine times out of 10, you immediately think, great, the TV is broken. And then 10 times out of 10, someone has just accidentally pressed, sat, or stepped on the mute button. And so what that means is the volume has not truly been removed, it's just been muted. And that common scenario reflects Moses' current emotional state. He has in his life, just like you and I do, just like all of us do at all times, tremendous reason for hope because God is faithful, objectively, all of the time, no matter what. But Moses, in this moment, is fighting for hope because his life has lacked hopeful circumstances for a very, very long time. Now, what might be different about Moses' response comparative to ours, when we have long seasons of life where we don't feel like we have hopeful circumstances taking place, oftentimes we despair. But Moses, rather than despair, prays. And he says, turn and have compassion on your servants. Now to ask God for compassion is to ask him for kindness. In essence, what he's saying is, Lord, we, we need you to see and to care about our hardship. We need you to comfort us. That's what it is to ask for compassion. And when I think about our community, I don't even know where to begin 
like where to start describing the difficulty that has marked the last six years for me, for us, as we've been here in Salt Lake. But what I can confidently say is that it's beyond what I've experienced before. It's kind of felt like this long, arduous journey where each time I think we're like coming to the top of a mountain and then on the other side, we're going to see this lush green valley and, and we get to the top and all we see is another mountain to climb. That's kind of how it's felt over and over again. And my guess is that many of our lives individually have felt a lot like that as well. And so if any part of that resonates with your experience, rather than despair, this psalm invites us to pray, show us your compassion. Now Moses' second request is this, make us content. Make us content. Verse 14 says this, Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love, so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Now, to satisfy means to fill a want or a need. And physical hunger is the most obvious way to think about this. When you're hungry, you have a want or a need inside of you. Now, we're coming out of the holidays. I don't think I've been hungry since like November. But when I'm hungry, I can feel the ache in my stomach that indicates it's time for me to eat. And so then I find some food, and when I've had enough, that want or that need is filled. And this is what Moses is asking God to do with his faithful love. Now, here's what I think is so significant about this particular part of this prayer. Our souls, and when I say soul, what I mean is the very essence of who we are. Our souls were designed to be satisfied by the love of God experienced through relationship with him. That is one of the most important things for you to understand as a human in general and as a follower of Jesus in particular, your soul was designed to be satisfied by experiencing the love of God in relationship with him. That is one of the most foundational life principles for us to understand. And when we forget that, it doesn't remove the reality of it. So as a result of that, this longing inside of us persists. And so what happens is we feel that longing and when we forget that we're designed to only have it satisfied through an experience of God's love in relationship with him, then, then as a result of that, we consciously and unconsciously try to satiate it with alternative means. And so we start to look to things like professional success or the approval of the people around us or things like food and drink and sex and entertainment and this endless list of other pursuits. And the problem with this is we are trying to satiate an eternal longing through inadequate means. Those things are never going to be able to satisfy a longing that God has specifically designed to only be satisfied through an experience of his love and relationship with him. And so as a result, we are invited to turn that longing to God and to pray, would you make us content? Now Moses' third prayer is grant us your joy. I think this is a good one for us. Grant us your joy. Look at verse 15. He goes on and he says, Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. So Moses is saying, Lord, you know that we have had days, years even, of pain. We have had days, we have had years even of loss 
and sadness. But if you satisfy us with your faithful love, we will have joy for even more days and even more years than we have had suffering. Now the context here is important because remember, Moses writes this prayer in the context of leading Israel around the desert, essentially in a circle, for 40 years. Now, time goes by like this when we read the Bible. Like, sometimes you turn the page and a generation has gone by. Just think about that. I'm 43. So all but three years of my life, just going in a circle in the desert. Think about how meaningless that must have felt. How many days, not just Moses, all of these people must have been like, what are we doing? And it's in the midst of that discouragement It's in the midst of that hopelessness that Moses writes this prayer. Now, one way to process this as we read it, and especially when we think about it in its context, would be to compare our own experience to what Moses' experience would have been and to think, maybe I should stop being like such a baby. Maybe, like, just, I mean, if you just think about, like, even a couple of hard decades pale in comparison to what Moses would have been experiencing. So sometimes we compare our suffering to the suffering of someone in scripture or even other people in life, and we have a way of diminishing the experience of our own suffering. And so if there's any part of your heart that is bent that way, that I would like to gently correct the way that you think. I want you to hear, to know, and to believe that God cares about every single tear you shed. Hard stop. And I think that that needs to be said because I've had many conversations with people in this room where in a moment, someone will just briefly like step out into the open and lament their own experience of pain or difficulty or hardship or I'm hurting right now and then almost immediately recoil by comparing it to someone. I've had people do it with me. I've had people sit with me and talk to me and talk about their, their some difficulty in their family or something like that and be like, well, I, I know it's not like has been as bad as yours has been. And I just think that's really problematic because you might do that You might diminish the experience of your own suffering because it doesn't compare, quote-unquote, to someone else's. But, you know, God never does that with you. He never does that. And so I say this because as a community, we may not have had 40 years of wandering the desert, but we have had four very challenging years, which if you suck at math like me, I had to get a calculator out, that's almost 70% of our existence as a community, (laughs) 70% of the time that we have existed as a community plus has been marked by significant hardship. And I got to tell you, that's a lot. I have friends. It has been enough to kill their churches. And so as a result, I'm asking, and I would invite you to begin asking God to change the winds in our church. If you've been here, you know how hard we have tried to steward our sorrow well. We've tried not to ignore it, not to diminish it, not to pretend that it's not hard. Like we try to steward sorrow well here. Many Christians, many churches try to pretend that because of the resurrection, sorrow's not a thing. And I think that's deeply broken and damaging to the human psyche and soul. 
And so we've tried to steward it well. And I don't know about you, I just don't want to just be the sad church, right? Like, (laughs) that gets old too. I don't want every single Sunday to feel like a funeral and every Sunday to be like, do you guys only celebrate Good Friday? Like, have you heard about Easter? Like, there's some good stuff in there too. Like, we need to be a people of joy as well. And so as a result, we pray, God, would you grant us your joy? We're going to keep crying. Don't worry. (laughs) But we can have a little bit of joy too. All right, we're halfway there. Doing good? I feel like we're doing good. 16 minutes in. I've hit three. Got three left. We'll go quick. Here's number four. We pray that God would increase our awareness. Increase our awareness. Look at verse 16. He says, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. Now, don't miss this. Notice that Moses does not pray, God, could you please do some work? That's not what he says. Like, maybe you remember being a part of a group project. Maybe you still have to do this at work in some way, or you can remember it from school. But think about a time maybe that you had to be a part of a group project, and you're doing, I hate group projects. I always have. Because inevitably what happens is there's usually like one or two people, and you are doing everything you can, and someone else in that group is not carrying their weight. And so you find yourself thinking, hey, guy, how about uh, maybe you do something for a bit? How about you, you try to do something, anything that would be helpful? Now, when it comes to faith, when you are newer in your faith or maybe less developed in your faith, we can sometimes feel that sort of lingering resentment toward God. We might think, God, I'm, I'm trying really hard to do my part and it just seems like you're not doing yours. Could you please do something? And I want you to see that that is not what Moses is asking here. See, I think Moses had walked with God long enough that he knew God was always at work. He knew God didn't take days off from them. God doesn't burn out. God doesn't need a break. God is always at work. Even in the desert, God was at work. There had never been a circumstance. There had never been a situation. There had never been a a season in which God was not at work. And so Moses prays, not would you do some work. He says, Lord, let your work be seen. That's a big difference. He's praying, God, I know you're doing something. I don't know what it is. And I don't know why we're doing it this way. But I know you are working. Would you just Let me see your work. And so as we enter into a new year, a new year has this weird way of causing us to reflect on the past and then to look to the future. And so as we enter into this new year, one thing that we should certainly be asking God in our lives individually and as a community is, Lord, would you increase our awareness? Help us to see what you're doing. You are doing a deep and profound work here because that's what you do. Would you help us to see that? Would you increase our awareness? Next, Moses prays, display your favor. Look at verse 17. He says, let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Now, I have to confess that I haven't always thought clearly about the favor of God. I've heard a lot about it growing up in the church, 
but I haven't always thought clearly about it. And that's due to this kind of combination of receiving some unhelpful teaching and also a lack of personal study on my part. But this is the request. As I was reading a few weeks ago in Psalm 90, this request at the very end, this is the one that I really sensed God saying, this is what I want you praying for. This is the one that formation needs. This is what I want to place on you. So I thought, well, I should probably really figure out what the favor of God even is then. And so I've heard the favor of God taught like it's some sort of magic fuel that God uses to bring my plans to fruition. So I got a plan, maybe even something I feel like this is something God wants me to do. And so I go, Lord, would you give me your favor, which is like his like divine pixie dust that he sprinkles to actually make that plan come to fruition. So I need to be praying for the favor of God so that what I'm doing works. And so if any of that is something that you've thought about the favor of God before, allow me to burst that unbiblical bubble for you. The Hebrew word translated favor means a feeling of favorable regard. A feeling of favorable regard. So you know what favor is? Favor is the feeling I get when I get to watch one of my three kids do something brave or kind or thoughtful. Favor is what I feel when I get to look at the wife that God has blessed me with in all of her selflessness and strength and wisdom. Favor is what I feel when I think about Pastor Tyler and how hard he's working right now, not just to take care of all of us, but also to take care of himself. Favor is what I feel when I think about us and how we have endured more than I ever imagined possible. That feeling is favor. So favor isn't, again, some divine pixie dust that we need so that our plans will succeed. Favor is God's approving smile over us. It's knowing that God looks at us, at who we are, at who we are trying to be and what we are trying to do, and he is so pleased. He is proud. He is delighted. That is why we pray that God would display his favor. And then finally, Moses prays, establish our work. Establish our work. Look back at the end of verse 17. He says two times, establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. See, Moses knew knew that human effort in eternal things is always in vain apart from the hand of God. Anytime that you are trying to accomplish something that is God-sized through merely human means or human strength, that's an impossible task. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote about, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 3, when he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 15, 5, when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And so listen, this is a critical year of building for our community. 
There are going to be things that we need to start. There are going to be things that we already do that need to improve. There's going to be roles that need to be filled. There are more people in our city who need to be reached, and we can't do that eternal work apart from the hand of God. And this is why we pray, establish our work. Now, I want to close by sharing one of my deepest longings for our church. And it's a longing that I really do believe that we should all share. Not just a me thing, but this should be an us thing. And here it is. I long to see our church establish roots that take us into the future long after I'm the pastor here and most of us are still a part of this community. I long for that. We should long for our church to exist in this city beyond all of us because what God is building in and through us, it isn't just about us. It is also about those who will come after us. And for that longing to become a reality, there are a number of things that we have to build and establish, but there is one (coughs) that is most important. We have to be a people united in a shared experience of the presence of Christ with us. Every single one of these requests that Moses made and that we're asking, they are all about that longing. We want to know and we want to experience the presence of Christ more. Now we know that none of these prayers are going to be fully answered this side of eternity. But because of Christ, because of his sacrifice, because of his resurrection, we can experience some part of them right now. And so to that end, I want to ask you to do something with me this year. It's simple, I think a simple request. Would you pray these six things with me every single week for the entirety of this year? Now, I know how easy it is to forget things, so I, I made a very simple resource to help us, and so don't, you don't have to open it right now. But in just a few minutes when we go to do the announcements and you're asked to open up the Church Center app, in the Church Center app is uh, this simple wallpaper for your phone that you can click and download and then have it either in your phone, in your photos, or you can actually set it as your wallpaper, and you'll notice that every single one of these prayers has been assigned to a different day of the week. And so what I'm asking is that you would do your best to pray each of these requests on the specified day. And understand, I'm not asking you to commit like an hour to this. They're simple requests. So it doesn't have to take you long. It could just be as simple as a breath prayer. So tomorrow when we wake up, we pray, God, would you show us your compassion? And on Tuesday, we pray, Lord, would you make us content? And on Wednesday, we pray, God, would you grant us your joy? Never forget about prayer, that God hears the longing as much as the words. And so what matters is that we direct these longings toward him. God forbid that our longings are unmet just because they've gone unasked. And so let's pray and take these deep longings to him every day. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you, first and foremost, that you do see us, that you do care about us, that you do commit 
to being with us faithfully in everything. And so, Lord, uh, you know right now in this room, Lord, you are with every member of our community who couldn't be with us today. Lord, you know each and every longing in each and every one of our hearts. And Lord, you know that more than anything else, whether we realize it or not, that what we are longing for is the experience of being loved by you in relationship with you. And so, Lord, I just ask that 2024 would be a year that we would experience your love in relationship more than ever before, both individually and as a community. Lord, you know every single one of these six prayers. Lord, we know that all of them are good, all of them are righteous, all of them bring glory and honor to you. And so, Lord, we know that these are six requests that you long to say yes to. And so I pray that you would help us to establish deep roots over this next year. Lord, you know and understand every difficulty, every trial, every hardship that each of us has been through individually, that we have been through as a community, that our world has been through globally. And in the midst of it all, Lord, we ask you for compassion and for joy, that we would be content in you. Lord, would you let your favor rest upon us And would you establish the work of our hands? Lord, we need your help because we can do nothing apart from you. And so we ask that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen.